This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. Me and Pastor Aaron were sitting down and we were thinking and praying about what direction we wanted to go with our Advent series this year. And as we're sitting there and we're praying and we're asking the Lord to, to lead us to where we want to go, one of the things that stood out to us really, really large is the, the, the massive idol of consumerism during this time, like more now than, than typical times. And one of the things about the, the idol of consumerism is that it's an, it's an idol that's manufactured to serve another, another idol. Right? It's an idol that's manufactured to serve the idol of self. That's one thing that we, that we, that's why it works so well. That's why it's so strong because everybody wants to worship self in one way or another. So this idol manufactured to worship another idol, it gets its wind right there and its energy right there. One of the ways that you fight against the idol of self. It's to authentically be generous towards others. Come on. Come on. That's one of the ways that you be intentional to fight against. And, and I use the word authentic on purpose and generous on purpose. Fighting the idol of self has a lot to do with dying to self, and that's one of the things that you do. So this Advent series, we said, well, why don't we do that? To be intentional about what's going on, we'll make the Advent series generosity in the waiting. Right? If, if, if you guys are familiar with Advent, it's four weeks of, 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 of posturing our hearts and our minds, of, of, of waiting for, 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 for Christ and, 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 and being there and understanding the, the story of the gospel and why Christ needed to come into the earth and rescue us. And, and even now, we still wait for his return. So, so the whole idea and model was generosity in the waiting? How do we live in such of a way that stands against the, the, the idols of culture? Let's do it by being generous. Amen. So I said our text was in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 15, and the backdrop here is Paul, and he's talking to the Corinthian church. Now, this, this church was a church that the people there, they, they excelled in spiritual gifts that, that glorified self. Like, man, look how much I speak in tongues and, and look how much I, I prophesied and look at all these things. So those are the gifts that they chased after. Those are the things that they wanted and, and they excelled. In, and, 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 and Paul comes, he corrects and confronts them. And when he confronts them, he points out their struggle with the fruit of the Spirit. And the reason why that's a big deal is that the fruit of the Spirit makes serving others authentic. That's a big deal. He challenges their, 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 their worship of self by pointing them to the fruit that takes these gifts and make it more about serving others and being generous towards others. Yeah. Something he addressed in his first letter. He talked to them about that. And there's other things that got started in this first letter. In the first letter... You see him talking to them about coming together on the first day of the week, right? Now, 
as Jewish people, they Sabbathed on Saturday, but then on Sunday, the believers, the one that believed in Christ, in Christ they came together inside each other's homes. And on the first day of the week, that's why we still do that today. And during those times, when they was coming together during the first day of the week, they also gave towards the mission of the church. They was there, they was breaking bread with one another, worshiping, sharing words of encouragement, and also, here's the mission, and here's what we want to be intentional with, and they was generous in their giving during those times, and those are the things that we still carry on with today. So we're in the second letter, and as we're walking through the second letter, we get to this portion where he is encouraging them in authentic generosity. Last week, we walked through verses 8 through 9. And some of the main things that we we learn about authentic generosity in verses 8 through 9 is that, one, authentic generosity flows from a deep joy in Christ, not the abundance of things you have. This is where authentic generosity starts from, deep joy in who Christ is. And how he's made you rich. And I have so much to give. This is where authentic generosity starts at. Another thing that we learned about authentic generosity, that authentic generosity is sacrificial. It hurts and you find joy in in, in, in giving of yourself till it hurts. Another thing we learned about authentic generosity, that it was a privilege to walk in authentic generosity, and it exceeds expectations. It catches you off guard, and you're like, wow, the way that person was generous blows your mind because it was authentic. Another thing we learned last week is that we should all excel in authentic generosity. He's talking to them, but as he's talking to them, He wasn't giving it as a command, but rather comparing authentic to genuine work of the Spirit. So he made these comparisons, and in his comparisons, he was comparing a genuine work of the Spirit in your generosity. So today, we want to look at, last week we covered verses 1 through 9. Today we want to look at verses 10 through 12. So if you'll stand with me, I want to read those verses and then we'll dive in. Now, of course, as always, we stand because we want to acknowledge the author of Scripture, our King, God, and we want to set this part different from the rest of the sermon. So starting at verse 10, he says, And in this matter... I give my judgment. This benefits you. Who a year ago started not only to do his work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well. So that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has not according to what a person does not have. You may be seated. So 
So he carries on a conversation, and, 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 so, and in turn he says, and in this matter I give my judgment, this benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do his work, but also to, to desire to do it. And I think there's a lot right there. I think there's a lot, right? So let's, let's separate it into two sections. Section one, and in this matter I give my judgment, this benefits you. Point one, dying to self benefits self. Dying to self benefits self. Here he is talking to these brothers who, who are, 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 are known for chasing after gifts that, that exhort self, so much so that he has to, to, to confront them and point them to what serves others. And, and, and you would think, the last thing that you would think that you would do is go and talk to them about how something benefits you, right? Because you don't want to encourage the idolatry of self. So you wouldn't think he would come and say, hey, listen, hey, this benefits you. You you would think he would just say, hey, this benefits them and just do it because it benefits them. But he says, man, listen, this benefits you. One of the ways... Idolatry is confronted inside the Bible, is opposed to attacking the idolater, redirecting their focus to God so that the idol is viewed in context to God. Now you can enjoy the created beauty of the thing being worshipped without worshipping it, instead worshipping its creator. That's something that's important. You see, culture makes self an idol. When you buy into the idol that culture makes out of self, when you buy into that, then everything we do is to somehow worship self. Every single thing, some way, shape, or form, even the things that we do to serve others and and to be a blessing to others, because inside of our hearts, we've bought into the idolatry of culture to worship self. Even when you're trying to be a benefit to others, in the back of your heart is this thing that wants to, I want to be known for this and exalted and and, and looked at. And in the back of your heart, you're still worshiping self. And even in your serving, it's inauthentic. When self is in context to God, and God is the focus of worship, then you realize that, that you are a good creation of God. He is good in his creating of you. And being a good steward of yourself, like, that's what, like, sometimes it's not the idol itself that's bad. It's the people's hearts that are bad. Caring for self in and of itself is not bad, right? Because that's being a good steward of the fact that God created you. And and, then you're saying, Lord, I love you and I thank you. Then when you have the right heart and the right mindset and how you care about self, right? And it's in context to, to who God is, then, 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 then we view God as our sustainer, not ourselves. You understand? He's the one that's holding things together. He's the one that's keeping you. He's the one that is sustaining you. 
Now, when I view myself as my sustainer, then everything I do is to somehow benefit me because I got to sustain myself. But when I view God as my sustainer, everything that I do is to benefit him, which naturally benefits me. Because it draws me closer to him who is my sustainer. So if I chase after me, I lose me. But if I chase after him, I gain him and me consequentially. Paul is talking to him like this benefits you. Not chasing after you, dying to you benefits you. Matthew 6 and 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Consequentially, right? Matthew 16, 25, whoever tries to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is why he says to them, this benefits you. Dying to self benefits self because you stop relying on yourself and you start relying on the one who created self. You start living in the all-sustaining reality of who he is. That's the shift. You're not trying to live in a limited ideology of of you depending on your you, but you're living in the reality that he owns it all, he's all sustaining, and he got you. It's a freedom. It's a freedom to genuinely live generous lives because I know who has me. I tell you it's a freedom. Then in section two, the other part of that, he says, who a year ago started not only to do his work, but also to desire to do it. (coughs) Point two, authentic obedience gives birth to desire, and authentic desire gives birth to obedience. Every Wednesday we do, every first Wednesday of the month, we do these classes here, right? And we, and we close up our, our, our series where we was focusing on cultivating the roots so that we would be healthy and strong believers. And, and, and so last week, we, or on this past Wednesday, we, we were talking and, and discussing these key elements of growth and we named these five vital elements that needed to be working together for healthy growth and two of which were desire and practice. See, sometimes we can have a desire but never submit to the obedience of practice. Like, if I use the example of the, of, of, of the sermon series that we're in right now, like, like sometimes we can feel the man, I truly desire to live a life of generosity and give sacrificially, but, but we never practice it or we're not consistent in that practice. And it leaves us never knowing God in the fellowship of sacrifice. We lose out something there. 
Or sometimes the flip side, we practice obedience. I'll, I'll just, I'll do it, but, but never grow an authentic desire to do it, making it inauthentic and merely legalistic. Like, I'll give sacrificially. I know I'm supposed to do it. That's the thing you're supposed to do, right? So I'm going to just do it, and that's what I always do. But I never grow in this genuine desire. So it remains just an effort to work my way in or to prove my worth. Now, this may be a reality in different stages of maturity, but when you truly submit yourself to the Spirit of God, these things eventually align, and and when they align, it confirms authentic growth. Why? Because it's evidence of His work in you, not evidence of your work. Think about Philippians 2 and 13. And he says, For it is God who works in you. His work. He's doing the work. It is God who works in you both to will, he gives you the the, the desire, and to do, he leads you to practice. Why? For his good pleasure. So when you're submitting to the Spirit of God, eventually these things align because God wants to glorify himself. It pleases him, so he works inside of you to give you the desire and to lead you to practice it. He says to them, he's talking to them, and he's continuing a conversation from his last Message, and he says to them, man, this is something you started a year ago. We talked about it in our first letter. We started giving like this a year ago. This was a process that was started a year ago. And then in verse 11, he calls them into maturity. This is something that started a year ago. And in verse 11, he says, so now finish doing it as well. So that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Point two. Complete your desire with action. It's not enough to just say, man, I really, really, God knows my heart. I really, really desire to do that. God knows I really, really want to be one of those guys. He knows my heart. But the Lord says, complete your desire with action. Actually walk that thing out. It's incomplete without the action. Practice it. Do it, but we have all these things wrestling inside of our hearts telling us not to. He keeps talking to them. In 12, he says, For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Listen, 
If God has given you the desire, then he's already given you the means to start walking in it. It's something you got to understand. If you're inside, like, man, I really want to do that. I really want to be like that. I really want to be generous like that. I really want to serve like that. If God has given you the desire, it's to walk with the means he's already given to you. Like if he's giving you a desire to be an elder, then he's already put people around you to start serving. He's giving you a desire to be, to be a missionary. He's already put people around you to start living missionally towards. If he's giving you a desire to be generous, he's already given you something to be generous with. Know this. He says, use what you already have. Listen, listen. When you make it seem like we don't have the means to start walking in the desires God has given us, in our hearts, we make the accusation that God is insufficient and incomplete now. That's what we end up doing. He gave me the desire, but didn't give me the means to do it. I serve an incomplete God. One day, he'll get complete, and I'll start doing it. When in all actuality, what God is saying, I want you to start walking it out in context of what I've already given you. Context. But here's the wrestle here. Here's the wrestle. The deceitfulness of our own hearts. And the culture that we live in are trying to tell us what God has already given us was so that we can worship ourselves. And if God wants me to worship him by fulfilling these desires, then he needs to give me some more. What he already gave me was me. I get the first fruits. So I worship self until he gives me what I deem as a sufficient enough surplus. To worship him with. Wow, bro. Wow. That is so good. What makes our readiness and desire acceptable worship to God is when everything we have now is given to it. Look what he says here. He says, for if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has. This is the deal. According to what a person has. Not according to what he does not have. What makes our readiness and desire acceptable worship to God is when everything we have now is given to it. But then if that's true, then the other side of that coin is true. A readiness and a desire that's waiting for what you don't already have in order for it to be put into practice is unacceptable as worship because at its heart, 
is inauthentic. It said that God was incomplete. Here's our challenge today. As we get ready to, to, to close this up, the band can head up. Here's our challenge today. Be a model of authentic generosity. Own that. You own that. Be a model. Be an example. Be a display of authentic generosity. There's so many people in Scripture that God uses to model this. That all they have now is all for God. And their desire is completed with actions of generosity. Yeah, there's people and examples in Scripture of even people that are wealthy that gives to God and, and serves generously. Like the tomb Jesus was put in was from somebody that was wealthy, but when Jesus used models of people as examples, it was, it was rarely that he used the wealthy. He would intentionally highlight the people that culture and society wouldn't even consider as even in the game. He was intentional with fighting against the idolatry of culture. People that, 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 that culture would say, man, you're not even well, generosity. I'll look over you to get over here to start thinking about generosity. So when, when, so when Christ will highlight things, when Scripture will highlight things, what you see more often is this thing that pushes against the idols of culture. He was drawing their attention to authentic worship made by authentic generosity. You think about the woman with the two mites. An intentional example to push against the idols of culture. You think about the woman with the alabaster box. That's all she had. She'd been having, saving that for a while. But all she had was all for him. This was worth it. This is the example that, 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 that will be echoed throughout Scripture. Even inside this text, he uses the example of the Macedonian church that's highlighted the severe poverty that they was going through, the severe tests of affliction they was going through. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that this community around us, that, 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 that people that God has called us to serve, that they would know us as a model and display of authentic and generous generosity authentic generosity, that they would know us for this. Why? Because we submitted to the Spirit of God and we know that, 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 that He does much with our little. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. 
that what we give is in context to who he is. It doesn't stand alone. It's not that he needs it. It's that he just wants the fellowship. And you being willing to sacrificially give, he makes up. He fills it in. Today, as we get ready for communion, that's what you're called into. Fellowship with him. A dying to self. A willingness to to live in everything that you have now. Lord, it is yours. Lead me for how to steward it generously for your sake. I want to echo the three things we talked about in the beginning. Intentional ways that we're trying to do as a community. Affordable Christmas. I encourage you to generously give of your time. Generously give of your resources by buying toys for kids that would love some. I encourage you to give of your, 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 your resources regarding to Hope's Women's Center and, and Fountains of Hope. And, and listen, and this is not in place of, but on top of, because we're trusting who God is. As you come to the table today, we come fellowshipping with our king on mission like the saints of old who will come together on the first day of the week. Fellowship together, worship together, and give. You're coming. You're saying, Lord, I'm on mission with you. You lead, and I'm all in. The bread represents his body. The juice represents his blood broken and poured out for us and we eat it and we drink of it in acknowledgement of the fellowship and the relationship the tables are open I encourage you spend some time worshiping spend some time praying and let's sing to our great king This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.